Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybox together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. My next guest story, he he literally has a heart of gold and you're, you're soon about to hear all about it. But Terence Terrell is my guest today. Now, if that name doesn't ring a bell, then trust me, you're, you're going to love his energy. He's very upbeat, very positive. And despite the fact that we had a bit of technical difficulties, we gelled immediately. We kept it rolling. We laughed a lot. Um, and that's just part of who Terence is. I mean, he's a genuine human being that just loves to do what he does, which is acting and creating. Um, he also is is an award-winning writer and director. And he, guess what? He won an Emmy too. So how about that for, for everything that he is putting out there into the world? But he's got a very, very positive message and story. You can see him if you want to. You can see him in Chuck Lorre's comedy for CBS, Be Positive, where he plays a high-energy former NFL player who is coping with his fading fame while in dialysis. Um, the show premiered on November 5th alongside CBS fan favorites, Young Sheldon and Mum, but he can also be seen in Room 104 for HBO, Batwoman for CW, The First Wives Club for Bet, and many, many more. And up next, which is coming very, very soon, he can be seen in Jamie Foxx's feature directorial debut, All-Star Weekend. Now, if you see a photo of Terence, you're going to immediately, for all my NBA fans, the resemblance is uncanny for none other than LeBron James. So honestly, like <laughs> this guy is, is making waves um, in, in the world of acting, but he's also got an animated short which uh, won awards called Skin Deep, which tackles mental health, colorism, and what it means for a little black boy living in this world today through the vehicle of animation. He's also got another book um, out at the moment called My Little Black Book. Uh, so you can go and get a copy of that right now. Terence also sings, he does the works, but 
For those of you that get something from Terence's story, please share it around to your friends and family. I have no doubt that you guys are going to love him and his energy. But uh, don't forget to let Terence know what you think by tagging him on Instagram. Uh, I know he'll he'll be he feel really really happy about that as well um, from you guys that you know love love his story. But don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review before you go as well. All right, my friends, that's enough from me because you know what time it is. It is time to walk into the story box today and listen to the man who literally has a heart of gold, the story of none other than Terence Terrell. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Sorry, man, for butchering your, your intro. No, you're I'm good at it because everybody's, you know, everybody's nominated, but... Yeah. Thank I God I was it. I won it. So I'm excited. Definitely, man. So tell me tell me about that moment when you actually won the Emmy. What was it like for you? You it's still unreal. Um yesterday, well, two days ago, the third, I believe. Um, yeah, the third. It was the second year anniversary of me winning. And even looking at the video and reposting it for social media, it still feels like a dream. It still feels like it did happen because it was like an outer body experience, you know, because we do so many things as humans just trying to be just trying to be human and trying to survive and trying to live out your fantasies and your dreams. But to actually get recognized for your work and your dream, it, it's, it, it leaves you speechless because mm-hmm. you don't expect that, you know, it's always good to be nominated. But then when you actually win it, you like, oh, I won. So yeah, it's it's always cool. It, it was it's out of body. Did you notice that your life changed much? Uh, like what you expected it to change when you won it, or did it sort of remain the same? Well, it it changed to the point where I became busier. Mm. But it's not busy because I don't want people to think like, oh, once you win an Emmy. You know, or once you win an Oscar, you're done. You win. You you keep, you know, now the offers is going to come up. No, I, did, I didn't get not one offer. I still have to audition. I still had to. When even um, Kaylin, who's my, my manager, she drove me home that night because I literally just got off a plane. I was filming in Atlanta and I came home. That I was up 28 hours during that whole time. So going into almost 30 hours uh, of no sleep or nothing, just exhausted, right? And I'm in the car with her because I didn't go to the after party because I was so tired. And I was scared I was going to fall asleep. And somebody take my Emmy. <laughs> but I fell asleep. I, I was in her car and I was nodding off. And she was just like, you know, you have. And I have the Emmy in my hand. Right. And all you want to hear is, oh, my God. But she was just told she told me, yo, you know, you got to work even harder. Right. And I was like, how much harder can a human work? <laughs> and she said, no, because now people are going to think that you don't think you need to work for stuff. You still have to work harder to show them that you're still an artist. And I was like, okay. And sure enough, right back at it, full throttle. I flew right back, went to filming, got in there at 7 a.m., got on set at 8, 8.30 a.m. after like a 12-hour layout. So that weekend was crazy. Yeah. So it, it changed my life to the point where I know never take anything for granted, like always, but also it's in the box over there and you know thank you but we got so much more coming yeah i I love that mentality man it's kind of like you don't feel like you're entitled to get this job because you won an emmy it's like let's 
continue to work. You know, I'm no, but now when you go into auditions, now you gotta show them why you won the Emmy. Like they're waiting. Like I, I remember after the maybe the second audition after I won the Emmy, I remember pulling up and they're like in the cast room, like, show me. All right, so you got an Emmy in front of your name. Let me see why you got this Emmy. So that was always interesting. Yeah. It's 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 a whole nother war. So tell me about your idea of like what does success look like for you now compared to as you're growing up? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Wow. Um, growing up, of course, success to me was having a big house, money, and buying, uh, it was so funny, buying all the ice cream I wanted. Mom, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> my mom was so strict on ice cream and candy. I'm like, I can't wait to leave your house. I'm going to have so much candy and orange soda. When I grow up, you ain't doing, you're not invited to my house. <laughs> so, because um, you're probably throwing it. I would invite her over for um, after I was like, you know, growing up, just wanting to have so much junk food in the house and her being so strict, you know, not letting us have so much and having to go to sleep at 730 or eight o'clock. Well, sometimes she used to get gangsta and put us in bed by 630. And so really our friends will be at the door knocking on the door like, hey, can they come outside and play? And they're like, stay in the bed. They're like, it's still light outside. <laughs> But um, now, after, like I said, after losing my mother, my grandmother, my dad, my grandfather, um, and being through some real stuff and going through therapy and learning who I was as a person and, and displaying who I wanted to be compared to just being what everybody wanted me to be, success to me is just waking up and being happy and working out. Um, and it's so funny because even now I get so excited when I can order DoorDash or I can order food, anything I want, I can order it. And not have to think twice. Because at one point, not too long ago, $14 was like, oh, my God, am I going to have gas to go to the audition tomorrow or even just go to the gym? But so now it's just a blessing to wake up and, and smile because you realize with so much life being lost, you realize how valuable life is and you only got one. So you got to do everything you can to live it to its fullest. So that's what success to me is now. That's great, man. How did losing your mother everybody that was really close to you, how did that sort of shape your identity growing up? Um, after all the, after they all, um, you know, I lost all of them. It made me into a lot of people. I, I didn't see it because it, I was outside of me, but by that time I gained 50 pounds of muscle. I've, um, I started wearing all black and you don't know it, but after I started going to therapy, it was just saying like your arm, your mind is literally armoring the body for, for protection. So it became a whole nother beast that came out of me. Now it's not just, oh, let me go to this audition. It was like, no, I've seen so many people die. I'm going to go on an audition. I don't need your yes. It would be great, but I need to tell this story and do the work for this character because these are real lives that can be affected by this art. And so that, it made me take the art way more seriously. Oh man. When, when was the moment for you that you realized, Hey, hang on a minute. I want to become an actor now. And I believe that I was reading somewhere. It could be wrong, but uh, you know, cause you, you don't trust entirely IMDB and what they, what they have to say. No, cause they still uh, say I'm six two. Yeah. I'm like six. Five and a half. So it's like <laughs> it said something around the the lines of you used humor to overcome bullying or something like yeah. that growing up. Is that any true at all? That's very true. And it's 
it's so funny because when I was in school, nobody talked to me. They would make fun of me, right? Because we came from Mississippi to San Diego, so we had these thick country accents. And I remember watching, I forgot the little guy's name. We were like in kindergarten. And I remember watching this little boy. He was the craziest little thing, loud, laughing, talking out of turn, throwing stuff. And everybody loved him. So I was like, okay. When I started to get bullied, I'm like, I'm going to be the class clown because everybody loves a class clown. And of course, my grades suffered and everything else. But then my mom showed up a couple of times unexpected at school and she fixed that real quick. But uh, <laughs> she was <laughs> that's, man. Yeah, I was, I was, I was a wild one. And I was a middle child. So, you know, we got so much to prove outside of the world. Middle children get it the worst. Um, so, yeah, it was, it, you're the middle child? I'm the middle child, man. I know. I already know. <laughs> got to compete with the baby. Then you got to compete with the oldest because they don't think you're smart enough, fast enough. Then the baby just gets whatever they want. And you're like, you're in the middle, like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, now what? <laughs> that, that's how I was feeling sometimes. Although I was, I say this and I joke about it all the time. I say out of my, my two brothers, my older one and my younger one, I was the planned one. Both of them weren't planned. So I've, got, I've got that over them. <laughs> okay, I wasn't planned. So <laughs> they have that over me too. Like you were an accident. I'm like, yo, shut up. <laughs> Like, what eight-year-old tells a five-year-old, you're an accident. What You don't even know what an accident is, so shut up. But, yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, that's good. That's gold, man. <laughs> so, so tell me. Kids what, are mean. Kids are mean, man. Like, why are they so mean, you know? But one thing I wanted to ask you, man, is, so where did your love and your passion come from to become an actor? Being poor, <laughs> being poor growing up, um, I learned to act like we weren't hungry because my mom was a single mom, so we didn't want her to feel bad. But even going to school um, and being on welfare and everything else, you know, like the first of the month, Bone Thugs and Harmony, it's the first of the month. That's real. Like first of the month, the checks come in, your mom pays the rent, we were able to get more food. So I used to act like we didn't, I didn't know what welfare was. I, it was so many things. That I used to pretend that wasn't going on. I it was my imagination was so big. I literally escaped like the hood and being away uh, every day and coming up with lies all the time. <laughs> it's, and, and, and people will believe me because I was so my imagination was so like out there. I was like, yeah, my sister's you know she's in New York right now filming, and they're like, yo, your sister's in the other classroom. Yeah, the other one. Yeah, you haven't met her yet. <laughs> so well, that's when it started happening. Then I uh, ran across Eddie Murphy. We were watching Boomerang and some other stuff, and some other shows, The Golden Child, which we weren't supposed to be watching Boomerang. The Golden Child was cool um, for the RH, but just wanting to do what Eddie was doing. And I didn't realize it was acting. I just thought he was a real person outside. I didn't understand. I was like, I want to be Eddie Murphy. So sure enough, it just trickled into that. Um, and but the funny thing is, throughout school, high school and middle school, when it was time to get into plays, I was scared to be in front of the camera. I wanted to be a light guy. But sure enough, I got pushed out there by one of my instructors, and the rest is history. Man, I can relate to that because uh, I wanted to be a filmmaker. So I, yeah. I I never wanted to be an actor, but I wanted to direct actors. I wanted to share stories and and tell them through the powerful medium of film. 
I yeah. never wanted to be in front of the camera because I'm like I was I had this this notion that I was ugly and I couldn't act and you know all the, all that stuff like uh, self confidence yeah. issues you name it. Um, so I understand what it's like to sort of want to be something and have that wild imagination in the classroom. You know, I we when uh, it was creative writing class in English, I would sit by myself and just go nuts. <laughs> like I come up with the craziest stories sometimes, man. That my teacher was like, "What the heck." <laughs> you know so did, but, uh, did you find were you able in those crazy stories were you able to find a beginning middle and end no oh. <laughs> never like i was all over the place man but that's what <laughs> i like about it it was like this is i'm trying to form the the, the base of a story here like trying right. to find i knew the beginning or even sometimes right. i knew the end but i didn't even know the beginning so i like backtracked myself sometimes right. and i'd be in the middle of a story at times, and I'd be thinking, how in the world am I going to end this? <laughs> it, that's, that's like the beauty of stories is sometimes you don't know and other times you're sort of finding your way to it or finding a way through it, really. Right. What do you love the most about stories? Uh, um, the thing I love most, are you talking about like storytelling and acting or just stories? Stories in general, and even we can make it to storytelling and acting too. I love what I love about stories is the heart, you know, like really finding something that, um, and as an actor, we don't always find something that we can relate to right away. Like, you know, people are like it doesn't move me as, as an artist, but being artists, we're put on this earth to make the material move us and then make it move an audience, you know what I mean? So being a mirror. So I love the realness. I love telling real stories. I love stories that matter. You know what I mean? Like I was a little boy in the hood, single parent. I didn't see that on TV. You always saw the mom and the dad and I didn't know what who my dad was until I was 15. So things couldn't really relate, you know? And I just love the rawness of like some of these stories that are becoming, like they're very raw, they're in your face. Um, so you yeah, had a realness and I love a good conflict, you know what I mean? And a good mystery, like mm -hmm. a secret. But then in acting, I've learned through Diana Castle's class, um, imagine that, the imagine life. The great thing about being an actor, it's always great to perform, but always have a secret, develop like a secret for a character. And it leads into so many different routes and routes. So just love playing, you know what I mean? You just play. So What's your creative process like when you do get a script and you get a story that you love and forming this character in your mind and then actually portraying it on screen? What do you go through? Like, can you share with us what, what that? Yeah, I looked over there because there's a spot, right? There's a spot in my house, um, right? Uh, you can't see it, but it's over there. It had the pillows. You have the uh, oil diffuser where lavender's um, sitting in a pot and then you have the lavender... Uh, fuse going. We got a candle over there. So when I get a script, I sit down, I scoot in that little corner in the L shape of the sexual, and I sit there and I just get lost at a point where like, and usually and Diana has this amazing technique where now I don't care if the script is 13 pages. I can read it one time and know the words by heart because you get so involved in it. And so, um, it, it gets kind of scary because even, you know, like the, a script will say, it, you know, exterior open and it'll say running through the grass and the sun. 
it, it gets so real where I can smell the grass. I can feel the sun. Sometimes if there's water, I can feel water on me. So I get engulfed in the art and just your imagination. Cause it's so funny when we're kids, we're taught to be real. Don't do this. That's, that's, you, you know, be a real person. Don't use your imagination. You're playing too much. But now as an adult and as an artist, all I get to do is play. So I literally become a little, I, I become a kid again every time. And then I always like to understand who I am inside of the story, embrace it, and also understand that it's a part of me. It's not outside of me. And that helps because once you start saying like, oh, he is, it just, it breaks the barrier, right? So now that I know that it's a part of me, I whatever I do, the characters do, it's not, oh, you know, Terrence is, the, no, it's who I am. It's mm. who what the character is. Even with Eli on Be Positive, there's some things that I see when I watch it back that I'm like, what the hell is that? But it's who who I am through that. So it's like little gateways. So um, yeah, even my walk may be a little different. Uh, I may like switch a shirt, wear a color that I don't wear, things like that. It's little things that you can do to help you out. You know, women, they get to put different wigs on and crazy makeup. But guys, I feel like we have to work a little harder because we, we can't play with the other stuff. So it's like you can put on a polo, a T-shirt or a sweater. And you just go. So, yeah, that's how I get involved. But you get it's just playtime. Just understand that it's playtime. It is work. Um, but it's also uh, a time to play. Mm. Was there a, a particular like character that sort of, uh, or, or time when you were on set for a particular show or movie that sort of was challenging for you? Like it was not happening. Like You know, want to know? And I literally just touched on it. Criminal Minds, right? So it was my first co-star, I believe. I had like, I was, I was the, one of the leads brother who got saved. At the end, I saw my dad, right? And the, the line was, you're supposed to see your father. And then it's, dad, it took, it took, I didn't understand because not having a father growing up, I didn't understand how to say dad. It just wouldn't register with my, it was like malfunctioning. And I'm like, it's only one word. Like it was just a literally dad, but it was so confusing to me because it was so outside of my personal I, I couldn't relate to um, because I was raised by all women. There was hardly any men in my life. So um, the dad concept really took me out to a point where I had to think about my little brother because he is a father. So then I was able to like pour that into the dad word because I, it was so foreign to me. Wow, man. That was the only time where it really was like, I was like Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that really took me for a loop. And I'm sure they were like, he can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> they no, it's like they they didn't understand what was going on, but you you did. Uh yeah. and I'm curious, you mentioned your younger brother there and how he sort of uh kind of is like a father figure in a way to you. What's yeah. been what's been uh the biggest lesson that your younger brother has taught you that you hold dear to your heart? Wow. He's taught me so much. Like sometimes he's the dad and I'm a little, I'm the son. And sometimes I'm the dad and he's the son. Now lately I've been a dad a lot, but um, what he told me, I remember there was a time where I was, uh, my mom just passed and we, and I was like, Oh, you know, everything was tight. Cause she passed unexpectedly. Like money was very, very tight. And I was, I was just like, I don't, should I do a book? Should I do, should I go ahead and do this book or, 
should I wait? Like, and he, he, I talked to him because that's the only person I had. And he told me, why would you wait? You got one life. What are you doing? Like, do it. And I was like, yeah, but he's like, it sounds like you're making a lot of excuses. Just do it. And I'm like, just, okay, do it. And I, I did it. So every time um, he just pushes me. So he always tells me, just do it, live it, do it. Mm. You're also, you're also a singer, man. So you're very, very creative. You've got all these multifaceted aspects of your life. You've written. That's that middle child shit. We had to, we had to do everything on our own. I know, I know that, I know that the, the, uh, I know it hundred <laughs> percent. Like I'm the creative one in the family. My older brother and my younger brother, they're not like, they're just very analytical straight down the line. I'm the one yeah. that likes to make stuff. Um, well, you've always been the weirdo, right? Sorry? You've always been the weirdo, right? I've been the weirdo, man. I've been the, the sort of like one that people kind of like, what the? <laughs> but Me too. I've, I've been, um, I'm curious, like you have this, this new book out at the moment. So can you share why you specifically talk about uh, a certain subject matter in the book and you, you made it a kid's book not an adult book so I'm, I'm keen to hear your thoughts on why you didn't you, you went with a kid version not the adult version right because you know therapy I went through therapy and I started my first book it was Blackie be loving adoring caring kind of yourself by a little boy that um didn't like his skin color his name was Skyler um it is basically me and criminal minds I'll bring that up again I was in that on that set that was the first time I was gonna be on national network tv um, with lines, you know, like talking. Mm. And I remember just waiting for them to knock on that trailer door, even the day of work saying like, oh, we picked the wrong guy. This is the real guy. And going through therapy and everything like that, I was like, something's, something's not registering up here, Terrence. So um, I started to write and I'm thinking I'm writing in the journal. And sure enough, when I got done, I was like, oh, this is a kid's book. And every time I do one now, it's just, it, they just come to me. I never planned. So um, this lad, the last book, My Little Black Book, it's about Skylar walking down the street and introducing us, reintroducing us to black inventors. And the reason that came up was um, I'm a head mentor for Miss Tina's Angels and Richard's Warriors, Beyonce's mom and her stepfather. They have an amazing um, program where we go to inner city school, the KIPP Academy actually, and we have like 80 students um, ranging from eighth grade throughout high school. And they were on the phone, um, Zoom. We go usually go every week, but throughout the pandemic, we had to meet on Zoom. So we're on Zoom and we had to call an emergency meeting because George Floyd, that just happened the day before. So Miss Tina wanted to check in with the babies because most of them, all of them are black, mostly, and uh, Hispanic. So we're on this call and only two boxes right here, but there's like 80 boxes. And, you know, you got to move the pages to see more. Mm. And the kids were on there crying, losing their mind. Like they were afraid. The Asia always sticks out in my head because she screams, she's afraid to be black. Am I going to die because I'm black? And even though I do so much, I remember getting off that call and I have God babies, Jacob and Jay. And I'm like, I still felt like I need to do more. So that's when animation um, um, series came up. My, uh, not my little black book, but Skin Deep popped in my head. And then um, my little black book, black book popped up in my head the next day. And just reintroducing these great, amazing uh, African-American inventors just to show other kids like my God babies and my children when I have some, 
that you don't have to wait for anybody to give you a yes. You don't have to wait for anybody to um, give you permission to be great. And you also don't have to be afraid of your your powers, your imagination. That's a power. You don't have to be afraid of your appearance. That's part of your power. So that's how all that stuff came up. And like I said, I can open that book right now and read. And I still I get paid to know words by heart. I still don't know any of those words throughout any of those four books at all, because I know it truly came from somewhere else. The first book I wrote in 45 minutes, second book, my mom passed and I wrote that one. She superheroes every day for girl power. I wrote that like in 30 minutes and it just, it just comes out. Um, and so and I wrote the fourth book with Jacob, my little godson. He was on top of my uh, shoulders after he hurt himself in a pool. So I literally just start writing. So it comes from a good place, a real place. And I know it comes from a, a higher place because I still don't know any of those words. Mm, that's that's uh, that's powerful, man, because uh, I I just finished my first ever book. It's not a kid's book. It's like a, an actual uh, like in-depth 200 something pages. And they're like, you're 24, man. Like how much, how much have you got to write about? And I'm like, trust me, it goes deep. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's very real, but I understand what you're talking about there. Like, I don't remember like finishing it. Nothing. <laughs> it's not like when you were in school, right? No. <laughs> but you knew it was time for the end. And I think, you know, going through the route of a children's book, I, because we get older and we are stuck in our ways, but we can, if we really sit back and watch children, especially kids coming up, they can teach you so much more about yourselves than you can ever learn about yourself just sitting there picking yourself apart. Like a child would tell you the truth no matter what. Yeah, I, I used to look after kids. I did after school care, so I know exactly what you mean. Like the amount of lessons that I gained as a result of doing that, one of them was patience. Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. And they're little humans, you know, you can guide them, but you can't control. You shouldn't want to control them. You should just want to like put the bumpers up to let them know, like keep them safe. But if you just guide them and understand that they're little humans, they're just little small humans. They're not just children. They're just little small humans. And most of the time when these grownups grow up, they're angry, big kids. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> Case in point, yeah. our last president. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can go into that. Right. <laughs> Uh, we won't, but no. kids kids are very smart and they're, lo they're looking up to the adults for things to, to learn. And if we are teaching the young kids the wrong sorts of things, the wrong right. ideas, then what are they going to do? They're going to follow it. They're not right. going to really question too much about it. They're just going to go along with it. It's kind of like I say, if you want to change generation, change the kids. Like, and then it makes it forces you to change your mindset too, right? Because with even with my um, God babies, I said it because they're always with me. A um, hundred dollar bill. I remember when I was a child, twenty dollars was like what? A five dollar bill was like oh my God, I'm rich. I'm richy rich. But <laughs> but now actually letting them know that there's no limit. Like there's no limit to what you can do. A thousand dollars is cool, but that can go very fast if you don't know how to budget yourself. So just being able to be blessed to be in their lives and show them little lessons so that they can overcome all these boxes that I created for myself. They don't have to worry about that because they seem bigger and better and they know what you can achieve if you just put little focus, imagination, faith, and your mind to it. They know they can have anything they want. 100%, man. I'm curious, like you, you talk about self-love in your new book. What is 
what do you love the most about yourself? Oh, what do I love? Wow, you got some good questions. <laughs> what do I love most about myself? I think my laugh. <laughs> my laugh. Like I find Good humor and some of the craziest things, but my laugh. And usually when I hear it, they'll play something back and I'll hear it. I'm like, what is that? But it's, it makes me laugh because I hear my laugh and I don't, I don't hear my laugh until I hear my laugh. You know what I mean? So yeah, my laugh, I think my laugh, the, especially that real one where my mouth is wide open and I can't breathe. I, I think I love that the most because everybody laughs around. So yeah. Oh, when, when your chest is like sort of it, hurting, it, like, please stop, I'm about to yeah. die. Stop. What are you doing? Or, yeah, that. or your abs are like, they're in absolute agony. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, that. I think that's the, today, that's, I think that's probably the best thing I love about myself right now. I the laugh. It, I love it. So do you feel like anything is missing currently in your life? You know what? The only thing that pops up sometimes, um, but I always have to, you know, after you do so much self-work, you can check things. The only things that uh, pop up sometimes, like I miss my mom. Mm -hmm. I miss my grandma, of course, because there's so many great things that I do. And even though I know they're still with me because energy doesn't die, um, when I see other people with their family and their mom, I always, it always touches me. It always gets to me. So those are the only thing that sometimes I miss a lot. And I sometimes forget, I, you know, I'll wake up, um, and try to call her and I'm like, Oh, and it's been almost four years, but it never gets easy. You know, it, you, I learned how to live with it, but it, it never gets easy. Yeah. So that's the only thing. Other than that, I'm, I'm very loved by everybody around me. I have, my own little tribe that I've created, my god moms. Like it's 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 amazing. I have an amazing life. Mm, I can I can relate to wanting to pick up the phone and call someone you love. Like I know for you it's your mom. For me, it's my my grandfather and my grandmother. My grandfather yeah. was my biggest mentor, man. Like some some days, and if if, if I'm having a, a difficult day, what I'll do is I love how you mentioned the energy. I'll go to his gravesite, which is just down the road from my my house, and I'll wow. sit there for hours, and I'll just like I'll look up, and yeah, just be be in that that mindset, that presence, and I'll remember all the things that he taught me growing up. You know, it's, it's special moments like that, like you never forget, man. And never forget them. And you know, it's it's so funny how you become those little lessons. Literally, sometimes changes and saves your life you know what i mean yeah. so it's you know very happy that you had a grandfather like that that can you know taught you how to be a man and just amazing and your grandparents i feel like grandparents are always that beacon of hope especially for middle children they oh, give yeah. us it's a beacon of hope and they teach us a lot and you know they just i remember after graduating my grandma was like okay i can die now all i wanted i kept praying just to be alive long enough to make sure you grew up to be respectable, um, self-assuring, and love, loving young man. And I was like, what are you talking about, lady? And yeah, she was like, that's all I wanted. So it's, it's a blessing. It hurts, but it's, it's a blessing to have all those amazing memories. Oh, 100%. I totally agree with you on, on that front. Um, Terrence, i got my final question for you because my, my Zoom is about to run out, sadly. Um, wish I had more time with you, but this is my all time favorite question that I ask everyone at the end. Okay. Let the, uh, the internet catch up for a second. <laughs> but I'm like, something's going on. In yeah. There okay, there back. Back. This technology today. Okay. 
It's all good. So uh, it's a hypothetical one. So I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of argument. But they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> wow, that's a good question. What I wanted to say is he overcame, when I say he, me, you overcame adversity, you overcame statistics, you still, you overcame all of that without losing the love of life and without losing loving on others and showing others that they can be great. And you led by example by using your powers on this earth. Yeah. Perfect send off message, man. Where can people find you, connect with you, and launch? Yeah, you can find me at, uh, at I am Terrence T on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and then terrenceterrell.com or at I crown me for all the books, www.icrownedme.com. Um, and yeah, if not, you can just pop up and Google me <laughs> and all that stuff is everywhere. That sounds so Hollywood. Google me, but you can find, you just type my name in and it takes you to all the great works that I've been blessed to do. So, yeah. You're not hard to find, man, but Terrence Terrell, thank you so much for your story, your wisdom, your advice, everything you're putting out there into the world and for spending time with me today on the Storybox podcast. And Jay, thank you for being that weird middle child that didn't know the story, the middle or the end, but just you still created without anything stopping you. So thank you for doing what you're doing. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcast. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the Storybox, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.